Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. And now, live on 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app, it's Anthony Harry, former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye. Football analyst for 670 The Score, Fox Sports, Sirius XM, Big Ten Network, and NBC Sports. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. For the better part of the next three hours, I am your voice. This is Anthony Heron on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Feel free to shoot me a text at 312-644-6767. Text Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. We'll see. I, I, because there, there's a couple of things I'm getting into that I'm going to be very curious for your reaction to. We'll open up the phone lines a little bit later in the show. Score listener line. Is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Got some great guests on the show for you. Guests who join us on the Score Hotline presented by Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Um, I did mention that we have great guests. I may as well tell you at the moment who those are. Our guests here for the show today are Tony Andraki of the Marquee Network, Nicole Auerbach of the Athletic and of the Big Ten Network, Kenneth Davis of the Under Center Podcast. Looking forward to talking to them about a variety of topics here. But since we are, the, the holiday weekend is upon us, I, I did want to catch up with you a little bit as I'm sporadically on the station here and there in recent weeks. I'm very much looking forward to the weekend. I had my my last TV obligation for a while at least, early today on the Big Ten Network, did the show Big Ten Today. Uh, that was at uh, 11 a.m. Central Time. So got done with that, did the one-hour show in studio, and I've been I've been hosting uh, on Big Ten Today a few times here recently as opposed to, you know, a lot of folks don't pay attention to the, the minutia of it, but you know, it's really one chair difference essentially, but there are different capacities if you're the host, if you're the analyst or what some of you watch the news at night might think of as the anchor that sort of thing so as opposed to you know being the analyst and and just kind of describing the x's and o's of why things are happening or whatever i've been the host uh, on some of the shows lately on the big 10 network on the studio shows so it's been a i've done a little bit in the past but been getting some opportunities on the on the big 10 network to do that lately so it's been a good time nice nice little challenge to kind of get back into to that and it's been fun. And even this part of the year where from a Big Ten perspective, there's, you know, there's softball going on and lacrosse going on, baseball going on. So you know, talking about a lot of those other sports that get outside just the scope of a lot of what you tend to hear me focus my conversations on here on the station, a lot of football and, and hoopage and whatnot. There'll certainly be some hoops to get into. But it's holiday weekend. One thing I am curious about, you can tweet me at Big Ant Heron. Because I'm not completely certain if it makes sense. I put the I put the question out actually to my siblings, uh, and I'm uncertain 
which day we're going to barbecue this weekend because you do have the you know, the ex- extended weekend here, of course. But you know, is is Monday definitely the day that that everybody either you know heads out to the lakefront or to North Avenue Beach or to your backyard or wherever and just gather around and light up the grill? Is that definitely Monday, or is is Sunday? An option for that too. Obviously, Monday is the holiday itself. Monday is Memorial Day, but I put the question out to my siblings, like which which day are we? And I was kind of hesitant when I put it out at first. I wasn't completely sure which day are we actually going to do this thing. Are we are we doing Sunday or Monday for the grilling out? Because I know we pretty much do it every year, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just a little brain fart or what. But I, I wasn't a hundred percent certain. Do we normally do like do we do Monday? Every year, or do some folks get this in on Sunday? For me, you know, just having a, a free weekend where I don't have anything else happening on Sunday. I got a little work. I do my, I'm still doing my Sirius XM show Monday morning, but I just wasn't completely certain if if Sunday was was definitively the day or if it was going to be Monday. And I, I don't know if, if other folks have that same hesitation. Do you already have your plans definitively set? Not only for which day you're going to grill, but for what's on the menu, as for me, I'm a uh, I'm a carnivore through and through. Am I willing to eat vegetables? Yes, I'm a uh, maybe I'm an om- omnivore. You know, my son is really into dinosaurs, so he teaches me about some of that stuff sometimes. But not only the the carnivorous lifestyle or the herbivorous lifestyle, but got a lot of omnivores out there in Dino World. So I guess I would consider myself an omnivore. I, I will eat meat and fish and veggies so i'm hoping all that ends up on the grill this weekend i haven't gone out purchasing much of anything as of yet but i'm hoping for all the encased meats all of the the racks of of anything that can that can be you know deboned i want all the racks all the encased meats all the patties whether that is beef or turkey pork patties whatever that is you name it i want it all on the grill I want to cook slowly, and I tend to, I don't know you out there what your what your approach usually is for this, if you prefer to be the person on the grill, because for me, I'm not a great cook. I cook based off need. I cook based off hunger. You know, it, it's a requirement for us to eat for sustenance, and, you know, my wife and I, we, we certainly don't mind cooking, but I wouldn't necessarily say I enjoy it. I'm certainly not that good at it. I'm more comfortable actually, that I'm not a great cook than I am that I don't enjoy cooking. Because I don't mind it, but it's just, you know, I'm not one of these people who just go to the, you always hear Bernstein talking about going to the grocery store, getting fresh this and fresh that, and, you know, what he's, you know, sautéing things with and seasoning this and that with. And obviously Shane has kind of built his Shane's Meat brand on different things. And, you know, Shane seems to be quite the carnivore. I don't don't recall. I don't think I've broken bread with Shane, but – you know, Shane is not only someone who enjoys cooking, but he appears to be a quality cook. I'm not. But when it comes to Memorial Day, when it comes to family gatherings, outdoor grilling opportunities, that's why I really don't mind that. And not because it's it's easy to do, at least I don't find it that easy to do. And because I, I enjoy charcoal grills still. I know a lot of you out there got your whatever the kind of, you know, your smokers, your big green eggs, and a lot of the other 
you know, corporate stuff that, that just allows you to slow cook everything and sit it out there for whatever, you know, 76 hours outside in the smoker and then it comes out just kind of falling off the bone and melting in your hands and in your mouth and everywhere else. It's great. I love when my friends smoke things. I can't tell you how many text chats I'm in with old friends and, and teammates about their smokers and the, the little rings of, of this and that as they're smoking different things in their smokers. I don't have any of that. Maybe, you know, if we end up making a suburban move and I got a big backyard as opposed to being here in the city, maybe that'd be a little bit of a different deal because if it's easy, then I would be more into it. But I have, historically in my life, I've preferred charcoal over uh, over having a, a gas grill. I possess gas grills. I, I, I've had them over the years, but there's something about the taste, the smell of charcoal that I don't mind standing over the grill and doing that. So if, if there's any, any version of, of chefdom, any, any version of cooking that I would say I, I may be willing to, to kind of say that I do enjoy, it is standing over a grill. It's not something I want to do on a frequent basis, but you do it a few times a year for a holiday, a family gathering, some sort of reunion or whatever, then I, I don't mind getting it in for that. But on the whole, I'm not really great at that, at that either. It, it's a really inexact science for me. How much charcoal am I putting in there? You know, how, how much kerosene is going on the flame to really try to make this happen at the proper temperature? And maybe it's because I'm just using really old, washed-up grills. Maybe I need a, a different grill. Or I know you got some grills, like we were at some friend's house last weekend. You had kind of one side of the grill was wood. The other side of the grill had a little pocket over here with some charcoal in it. Then you close it, and it's smoking. And it was kind of an all-in-one, all-encompassing kind of grill at a friend's house we went to last weekend i just i don't know it 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 looked like a whole lot to me it's kind of like going to the casino and i've never like i've I've stood around and rolled dice with friends before in the past i've never shot craps at a casino before because when you go there there's so much activity there's so many lines and the pass and the don't pass line it's just everybody moves so fast and it's happening so quickly and for me i just find it intimidating so i'll go to the casino I might I might play some blackjack. I might play some roulette. I might sit at a slot. I'm, I might even play some poker. You take me near a crap table. I'll watch it because it's entertaining. But there's just so much going on, and I do feel like that's what hap- what happens with some of the grills these days, where there's just so much activity, so much potential for all these different pockets of different ways that you can cook, and the, what types of heat is involved in it. And I don't know. I don't know, can, can you not really mess up smoking meat? Can you just leave it in there almost endlessly and really be fine? If so, then I am looking forward to actually owning a, a smoker at some point. But for me, historically, I've always been a charcoal guy on the grill. But I, I think there, there's an evolution that I can manage. That'll be on the way here that I'm looking forward to. I wonder what you look forward to out there as well. Feel free to shoot me a text at 312-644-6767. Let me know. You got any suggestions? As I evolve beyond charcoal, it's probably not going to be this weekend that I evolved beyond charcoal but you know like I said we, we may have a may have a move coming up here in the not too distant future start purchasing a few things not just furniture for inside the house but some of the the apparatus that'll be outside the house like grills and such I think it's most likely you know that I would end up doing a, a gas grill but beyond that do, do I get the smoker as well is the, do I need a lot of training on the smoker is it fairly easy to pick up the the craft of smoking I don't know I missed uh, I heard uh was listening to to a bit of uh 
of Danny on the show beforehand. I know he they were going to do a Shane's Meats segment. I missed that. I don't know if Shane broke that down or not at all. I'm sure I could text Shane and, and frankly, probably about a, a thousand other people for a little bit of advice on that because a lot of people are really into that world. I'm more about consuming the food than I am cooking it. If you can get that that sense, if you haven't gotten that sense yet out of my description here. But Memorial Day, that is a big part, of course, of, of what we end up doing, how we end up spending that weekend. So between the availability for sports in a longer weekend and also the time that you spend with family and around the grill and being outdoors, going to be a, a fun weekend to be able to partake of, of that and a variety of other things, you know, a number of other other items from throughout the weekend here. Uh, our son is going to be out of school pretty soon, so we'll be able to be outdoors. And the weather finally turning for us. And I was driving around a little bit. Uh, just coming back from Big Ten Network Studios today. It was like the first thing when I got in the lift. One of the drivers was talking about how awesome the weather is outside. Could not agree more. Apparently, it's supposed to continue throughout the weekend. So hope all of you out there end up, you know, having a – a fun and a you know just a, a a carnivorous time when you're out there enjoying yourself, your family, your food, and all the, the camaraderie and the fellowship you may be able to take part in there. But beyond that, the number one trending topic on Twitter as I sit here right now is still a singular name, a name that folks in this town know well, a, a name a, a career, a personality that meant so much to the city of Chicago is Scotty. And he went on the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast and had some things to say about MJ, M. Jeff, Michael Jordan, yet again. Not only Michael, but Phil as well. And Scotty continues to be the top trending topic on Twitter. A lot of folks are, you know, have been tweeting about, conversing about, their thoughts on Scotty, on what his motivations are. As tends to be the case, for whatever reason, I don't, I, don't, I don't view myself as a contrarian. I just view myself as someone who, who I, I make an effort to, to view things through, I guess, an unromanticized lens. And I do feel like that there's a, there's a level of romanticism for what the Bulls dynasty was and how we sort of has, have easily parsed out what everyone's role in that dynasty was at the time and what it should continue to be now. And to me, that ends up really impacting the reaction that people have to Scottie Pippen. So my uh, guy Tyler, he's on the ones and twos for me this evening. He's going to play a little bit of that sound. We come back from a timeout. I want to get into... A little bit of the Scotty sound. We're going to weave it in a bit throughout the show, give you a lot of my reaction as well. So we'll, we'll take our first time out here and come back. And I do want to, later in the show, get to a point where we open up the, the phone lines. So I'm curious for your thoughts on Scotty as well. Now, I feel like I have a decent sense for where a lot of the reaction in and around Chicago is because of the status of Michael Jordan, how we view him and his legacy, what those Bulls championships throughout the 90s meant to us. And obviously Michael Jordan being at the pinnacle of that, the seminal figure in that Bulls dynasty and Phil Jackson being the head coach for each one of those championships. And then, you know, a level of a, a dismissive nature that we have kind of viewed Scottie Pippen through as well. But 
Later in the show, I'm opening up the phone lines and I want to have a conversation with you and hear from you about that. But right now, I'll take my first time out, come back and let you hear directly from Scottie Pippen himself. And then we'll get into that. We'll talk some Cubs. We'll talk some Bears. We'll do a lot throughout the show tonight. With 312-644-6767. You can text me a few thoughts right now. Because really, initially, what I'm curious about is the whole Memorial Day, the grilling thing. Are you grilling Sunday or are you grilling Monday? Is everybody grilling Monday? Is it an odd question for me to ask, even to think that grilling Sunday is an option on Memorial Day weekend? Does 99.9% of the populace just grill Monday and there's no question asked about it? Because it felt odd to pose the question. I don't know. It's like it's several days between now and Monday, and I'm very, very eager to eat. So I'm going to eat something between now and then, but hey, is it crazy to think we can just light up the grill on Sunday instead? What are you doing out there? 312 644-6767. We'll have some Scotty Pippen conversation next here. Anthony Heron on Twitter at Big Ant Heron on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We're back live with more Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Friday edition, score evenings, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Anthony Heron here with you until 9 o'clock this evening. Teased it before the break. I'm sure many of you are aware, but perhaps some of you just kind of finishing up your day on Friday, heading home, or just getting home, wherever. You know, a lot of you don't live on Twitter, especially these days. The traffic is a little bit diminished, but you may not be completely aware if you are. Maybe you're just sort of, uh, you know, loosely aware of, of what and why Scottie Pippen is, again, trending on Twitter. And what usually tends to happen here is, is especially in recent years since the Last Dance docuseries was released in, in 2020 at the, as the pandemic was raging. And I mean, it was quite the, the perfect storm at the time when you think about it, because we were all we were all, you know, essentially indoors. There were no sports happening at the moment when everything was shut down, and so we all got to got the opportunity, as so many of us, especially. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, growing up as a kid in the 90s, it certainly felt like the world revolved around the Chicago Bulls, and of course, this was before social media, but you did, ha- you did have, you know, SportsCenter and ESPN were were taking off in the NBA on NBC with Round Ball Rock. I mean, everyone knew the theme song, and pretty much so many folks associated the theme song with the Bulls because it felt like they were always there on national television week in and week out. Michael Jordan and the Bulls became this global brand. And so then you, know, you fast forward a couple of decades later after that being the most, the most prominent dynasty that many folks who grew up in the 90s paid attention to. I mean, I admit so many folks, not only from around this country, but around this world, who have told me about being Bulls fans because of you know them growing up in the 90s and that being the brand in the NBA as the NBA became global and Michael Jordan's superstar status was a huge part of the why. So then pandemic hits, we're all on lockdown, and so everybody on a weekly basis is just tuning in to episode after episode of The Last Dance. For many of us, it's this trip down memory lane that just feels good 
You know, we just curled up in it like a warm blanket, just just enjoying living within that mode we were in, revisiting all those fine memories. For those of us as Bulls fans in Chicago, was part of it. But again, I mean, you know, they they were a a national brand, an international brand. You had this global icon as an athlete in Michael Jordan. And so for a lot of folks around the country and around the world, you got the opportunity to either revisit that or for this current generation of sports fans, of NBA fans, and certainly the the Michael versus LeBron debate that's, you know, for years now, you know, been been going on and been one of the lead sports topics, then it just sort of came around. There's not a whole lot that's perfect about a pandemic, but as it relates to the NBA at a time where they weren't allowed to play basketball, where really no one was allowed to do anything to have that docu-series and good on them for releasing it a few months early. So that comes out and it was just, everyone was glued to every individual episode and then the replay (laughs) afterwards as it came out, and we would, in my house, we would more so watch the replays. We'd get our son down the bed, and you know, maybe things felt a, you know, a little bit chaotic initially as, as the first one was airing and doing some other things. So, all right, replay time. Let's go ahead and watch The Last Dance and make sure we get that in. Um, but now we're a few years removed from The Last Dance, but it's been now replayed during the NBA Finals because the – or actually during the Conference Finals coverage windows – that ESPN had available to them because the Lakers get swept in four games by Denver. So it's just time to fill that in, in that ESPN has had there. So they replayed the last dance the other night, just a few different episodes of it. And that conversation gets revisited again, Jordan versus LeBron, the bulls, Jordan and Scottie Pippen himself. Here's my opinion on some of the, and we'll, we'll play a little bit of it for you here right now. We'll also play play more of it throughout the show as well. But just as, in my opinion, sort of a, a broader reaction to it, and I'll react to some of the individual clips as well, because we've seen this happen several times over the last couple of years where Scotty does an interview, whether he's promoting something or like the, the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, it didn't sound like he was necessarily specifically having some new item or project to promote. They, they talked about his, his whiskey and whatnot on there a little bit, but responding to questions about Michael Jordan, about Phil Jackson, about the Chicago Bulls. One thing I I will say is this, and it ends up being one, one one of the unfortunate parts of not even just specifically Twitter, which Twitter can certainly be a cesspool unto itself, but when clips are edited, I just retweeted something that Stacey King tweeted out about one of the clips that a lot of people have reacted to from some Chicago Bulls fan account that has a few thousand followers and it's got a blue check mark. You know, I'm, I just tend to assume every you know, well, obviously everybody pays for the blue check mark at this point, but you know, Stacey King himself at Stacey King uh, or Stacey Twenty One King, he tweeted out you know quote tweeted the clip that's badly edited. And Stacy said this clip was edited to fit a narrative for clickbait. This isn't what Scottie Pippen said. And if you watch the video closely, his mouth never moves. This video reminds me of a badly dubbed 70s kung fu movie. If you want to hear his real answer, go listen to his interview on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Now, that being said, Scottie's words, you know, depending on your perspective, could be incriminating enough because he did have some things have some negative things to say about Michael Jordan, have some negative things to say about Phil Jackson 
And my impression is very simple. Scotty Pippen, Scotty Pippen feels betrayed. I think it's as simple as that. I don't necessarily think it's a guy who, who is that wrapped up in clamoring to sell products or move merch or to, to feel like, you know, he's, his, his place in NBA history must be restored. But there was an entire docu-series that essentially Michael Jordan got to produce and Scottie Pippen, one thing that struck me, and we'll play some of these clips for you here in a bit, but not only does Scottie Pippen, in my impression, feel betrayed by his, his former teammate, his, I guess I'll term it as former friend, Michael Jordan, when you listen to the full interview from the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, podcast and not just a couple of excerpts or, or clips, but if you do take the time to listen to the entire thing, he feels betrayed by the NBA as well because you think back to a quarter century ago when they were following the Bulls around and then just as as this actual documentary was being made in more recent years, Scotty and the only one who said, Will Perdue has said it a number of times on this station, Stacey King has talked about it a bit publicly as well, that the guys who were taking part in the documentary, not only back then but even now as they sat down and did confessional-style interviews, they were under the impression this was something – that obviously Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, so he's going to be the one who maybe gets the most shine. But this would be something that would highlight, shine a positive light on the Bulls' dynasty, on what they achieved and accomplished as as a team and to some extent as individuals as well. And when it comes down to it, if there's anyone who ended up being cast in a negative light that has, in my opinion, the most right to be upset by that, it is Scottie Pippen. I mean, you know, hey, Will Perdue is awesome on TV and he's awesome here on the radio right now. Will Perdue would be the first one to tell you. He's not Scottie Pippen. He was not, he was not anywhere near a peer to Michael Jordan. Steve Kerr was not anywhere near a peer to Michael Jordan. Scott Burrell certainly was not anywhere near a peer to Michael Jordan in their I mean Michael Jordan to a large extent was peerless in the in in the sports landscape but as far as just what the importance was to the Bulls winning and losing games winning championships what an individual meant to that dynasty there was no one else on planet earth who was anywhere near who was more near a peer to Michael Jordan than was Scottie Pippen And then as the world came to a standstill and essentially the world watched the last dance in unison and so many moments from that docuseries were casting Scottie Pippen in a, in a rather negative light. Now, not all of it did there. There were certainly some positive things I thought were positive about just showcasing Scottie's humble beginnings and what he overcame and what his family life was like and, and how he ended up, you know, eventually emerging as a player but there were a lot of things, especially as it continued, that, that tore down, that pulled away from what Scotty would view, I, I would imagine, as his greatness, as his legacy, as the resume that he put out there on the court. And up until these recent years here, I, I, I'm not under the impression Scotty Pippen like went out of his way to say a bunch of negative things about MJ. 
But since this documentary and a documentary that Scottie Pippen seems to be under the impression basically cast him in a largely negative light, I don't know why it's surprising that if somebody's going to ask Scottie Pippen about the documentary, about Michael Jordan, about Phil Jackson, when the world was sitting there watching them basically dog Scottie Pippen, then why wouldn't Scottie be willing to answer the questions in a way that cast them in a negative light as well. Because when it comes down to it, is it shocking to think of Michael Jordan as a selfish person? Not in the least. Hand up. I'm a Jordan guy. He's the greatest player of all time. I'm a LeBron guy too, but LeBron's number two. Mike's number one. Whatever. They're both amazing. But as a person, I don't have any hesitation thinking of Michael Jordan as a selfish person, a self-promoter, Phil Jackson as a as a self-promoter being very conscious of, of his brand Phil wrote a book he's saying negative things about Kobe in his book and you know casting the the Lakers dynasty in this negative light afterwards like you know they all had these huge egos they were these big personalities Scotty amongst those three I'm referencing here Michael Jordan Phil Jackson Scotty Pippen Scotty Pippen is the smallest in personality out of any of them and in enormity out of any of them so I, I don't necessarily find it that surprising or I, I find it fairly difficult to disagree with the idea that Scottie Pippen is saying that Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson are both selfish guys. I don't necessarily think that's breaking news. So we're going to come back around to this. We're going to play. We'll have a, you know, Tyler Farringo, my guy on the ones and twos tonight. We'll come back around to this topic a little bit later in hour number two. We'll play some of these clips of Scottie Pippen on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. We'll play some of those for you tonight. That won't provide the full 100% context, but as we play some of these clips later in the show, I'm certainly going to give you some of my reactions. Some of my, I, I tend to be captain context in a lot of these situations anyway. That's kind of my, I was telling Gabe the other night, that's kind of my superpower when I was talking about, you know, Kevin Warren and the, the Big Ten media deal and, and just, just explaining how some of those things truly went down. That's just, you know, I, I try to view things in, in what I believe is their their proper context. We'll come back around to some of that later, but I at least wanted to set up my impression of of what I've heard, what I've seen from Scotty. Why? Because that seems to be the big question a lot of folks are asking is the why is Scotty reacting to this? Why is Scotty willing to say something negative about Michael Jordan? I mean, Scotty is not the only friend Michael Jordan has lost over the years, very publicly and prominently. But we'll come back around to this later on. I look forward to some of your reactions as well. But we we'll take a time out, come back. Let's get into some Cubs conversation here. Another disappointing result there at Wrigley Field today. We're going to talk to Tony Andriaki about it next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Just like a lot of bite to the slider. You know, they were out there, out in front, jumping the, jumping the heater pretty well. Uh, anything that uh, sped them up, up in the zone, just couldn't get underneath the barrels. They're, they were They did a really nice job using all fields. Yeah, you know, you're going to have some days like that. He's been so good for us. Coach manager, David Ross, after the game today, discussing the way that the opponent was able to get ahead of the fastball of his pitcher. Cubs go down, shut out today. First time this season, Cubs have been shut out. Shut out by the Cincinnati Reds, 9-0. to And David Ross was talking about Justin Steele there, not necessarily being able to get his fastball going against that Reds lineup. So, more baseball to come right here on the score tomorrow as Cubs will, of course, host the Reds yet again to see if they can get this thing turned around. I wonder if they'll be able to get this thing turned around. So 
We brought on a guest to discuss where the Cubs sit and where it looks like the Cubs may go. He's the digital content manager, Cubs reporter for Watch Marquee. You can find him on Twitter at Tony Andraki. Two, three. He is Tony Andraki joining me right now in the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Tony, how you doing this evening? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Outstanding. Uh, before we get into some Cubs chatter, I did put the question out a bit earlier in the show, just headed into Memorial Day weekend, and I'm someone who is, I'm a bit of a dinosaur with a lot of things, frankly, but <laughs> with my grilling, I, I, I just tend to, I, I've always had just like the basic charcoal grill that I've utilized. I haven't necessarily modernized with a lot of the, you know, the gas this and the smoke that and the big green whatevers. How do you tend to get down on Memorial Day weekend? Uh, yeah, good question. I actually was just telling my wife earlier in the week that uh, I would like a new grill at some point as a uh, birthday <laughs> gift or like a birthday Christmas combo, combo gift or something. So I have a gas grill. Uh, it's just like a Weber gas grill that uh, my sister and brother-in-law got us a few years ago. So it's all right. It gets the job done, but uh, I feel like I'm giving that age and that point where like I can get the, <laughs> you know, a really nice grill. So uh, yeah, so that's funny that you asked that, but um, I'll be grilling up some pork chops, I think, tomorrow before the Cubs night game and then uh, oh. and Monday doing some steaks with my sister and brother-in-law, so that'll be fun. There we go. The 312 ended up texting in. I grill for our family of five, three to four times a week, so they're going to be grilling all weekend. Someone else said, get a Traeger. That was the 847 said to get a Traeger because it's so easy. I don't know. I'm... I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to be eating. That, that's the, the main item here on the menu. Uh, Tony, on the, on the menu at Wrigley, the, you know, the, the game's on the way here. I'm, I'm wondering, do you feel any gravity to it? Now that you know, the Cubs got off to a more, I suppose a lot of folks would have termed it as a, a surprising start earlier in the season, and now they've come back down to earth, continuing to hover around six games under 500 here lately but do you see this as a pivotal stretch that comes up as maybe you know it felt like management got the got the impression here that they should get some more folks up from the minors and and try to equip the lineup to really attack and try to win some games here and things have kind of gone south on the Cubs so is is this a pivotal stretch that comes up yeah I think it's pivotal for sure I mean um, it's kind of funny they in in some ways are in maybe quote unquote, like an easier part of their schedule. Uh, now they had a really tough road trip, you know, going to Minnesota, Houston and Philadelphia with all three teams are, are looking to contend this year, but they just have a really hard schedule in general. And, you know, this, this red series, I think was big. Uh, maybe, maybe we're making a bit too much out of it, but Memorial day is a good, like kind of tent pole um, checkpoint type of, of holiday where, everybody in baseball kind of evaluates where their team sits. You know, you're about a third of the way through the season by the time Memorial Day rolls around. And the trade deadline is only two months away. Uh, A lot could happen, obviously. But, yeah, you know, Memorial Day is a time for the teams to evaluate themselves. And Memorial Day for the Cubs, they're welcoming the best team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays into town. So that's how they finish up the homestand. Then they go on easily their toughest road trip yet, you know, and that's just because of the West Coast. They're – they spend 12 days away from Wrigley, and they're playing nine. Uh, sorry, 10 games against the Padres, Angels, and Giants. So that's pretty tough. Then they come back home, and you know the Pirates, and obviously the Pirates are doing a lot better this year. But then the Orioles have been red hot, and so their entire June schedule is against teams who are either around 500, potentially contending, uh, or tough divisional opponents like the Pirates and Cardinals. So yeah, I definitely say that this is a pretty pivotal stretch because if the, the Cubs keep playing like this and then some better opponents come along, then, 
you know, by the end of June, I mean, we're looking at a different story maybe than than what we thought about in April. So absolutely, um, definitely still time to turn it around. And, and, you know, the trade deadline talk being two months away, like it's not something that should occupy our attention every day. But it's absolutely a factor that needs to start being discussed now because of where we're at in the season. And who knows, in the not-too-distant future, the man who was able to return to the mound for the Cubs last night, Kyle Hendricks, he could end up being in some of those trade discussions that may happen that would likely end up happening a couple of months from now. But I do wonder. It, 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 was, it was nice to see, even on, on Marquee Network today, where it was a blowout game, took an opportunity to even talk to Kyle Hendricks during the game and just get his reaction to what took place last night, getting back out there in front of the fans at Wrigley for the first time in a year. What were your impressions of the way Kyle Hendricks looked? You know, I thought there was um, a little bit of vintage Kyle Hendricks in some ways. Um, You know, I thought he kind of settled in pretty well. Um, Really, when you look at it, too, I mean, he didn't get hit super hard, and he didn't give up an extra base hit. Um, You know, I think the walks, I think it had two in the first inning. You know, those are not vintage Kyle Hendricks, but – it was his first major league inning in, you know, about a year or almost a year. So I think that was definitely a little bit of an adjustment for him. But, you know, his velocity has ticked up a bit in the minor leagues, and that's something the Cubs have been focused on. And, um, you know, if he's able to, to keep maintaining and sit back around 90 miles an hour, or 89 miles an hour, which is where he was during his peak and not at the, you know, 86 to 87 range uh, like he was, you know, last year before the shoulder injury and stuff like that, I think that's pretty huge too because it's just a bigger gap between his fastball then and the changeup and changes his best pitch. I thought he threw a, good, a few good changeups yesterday. So overall, you know, it's definitely a good outing. But as is the case with Hendricks, sometimes he just is a victim of bad luck of of you know the BABIP, the batting average on balls in play. And um, that was maybe another example yesterday. You know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that he was super unlucky, but the fact that, you know, he gave up just a bunch of singles. He wasn't hit super hard. It's not like balls were leaving the ballpark. And the last couple of years when we've seen Hendricks um, not be so right, it, it felt like there was just a lot of loud contact. It felt like there were he was missing location with too many balls, and there were a lot of balls on the barrel or a lot of balls leaving the ballpark. And to not see that last night in, in what can be considered maybe a down outing from him, I think is, is encouraging overall. And I'm just really curious to see how he pitches the rest of this year and he can, he can absolutely be one of those guys that helps turn things around here for the Cubs because their rotation has been awesome with Stroman, Steele, and Smiley, but they really need those other two spots to step up. If Hendricks is anything close to like his vintage form, I think the Cubs are in a really, really good position. How did you feel like he looked physically? And I know he's not necessarily a guy who would have a lot of concern about you know maintaining velocity or anything like that, but just – just relative health is still important, even for a guy who's never thrown the ball that hard. So did you get the sense that Kyle Hendricks looked healthy? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Honestly, I've even gotten that sense since spring and seeing him throw um, and just it was bullpens at that point. But, yeah, I definitely think that he is healthy. You know, he wouldn't come back if he wasn't. But he they took a bit of a conservative approach overall because they were trying to make sure that this did not come back. And he – I think he said it um, somewhere around a third of cases of people who have capsular tears in their shoulders of pitchers end up having to have surgery. And, you know, the fact that he didn't have surgery is a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, that could have been potentially even career ending for him at his age in this point in the, in his career. So the fact that he was able to avoid that, but that, you know, they were being conservative. They, they didn't want to rush him back last year, of course, and wanted to give him a full season and then didn't want to worry about 
having him ready at the start of this year. And here we are, you know, mid or sorry, late May and he's first coming back. I think, I think that was all in an effort to make sure that he was absolutely 100% when he came back. And that's really all I've seen. I mean, his last few minor league outings before he came back were pretty strong and those looked vintage Kyle Hendricks as well. And that's without any of the major league scouting reports and stuff that he has to work with. So yeah, I definitely think that he looks physically good and, and physically like he has been in the past. So from a pitcher who is a little longer in the tooth and we're wondering whether or not he's still got it, to a young player who everyone's trying to figure out, what, what is the best spot for Christopher Morell to play and just the juice that he infuses into the lineup and the athleticism and power and all those types of things that, that are just fun to watch him when he takes the field regardless of the position that he's at. But what have been your impressions? Did you feel like the Cubs maybe actually made this happen a little bit later than they should have, and now that he's here, do you think he's here to stay? Yeah, both good questions, and and I don't really have a great answer. Um, I don't think that the Cubs necessarily made this move late because of exactly what you just mentioned. I mean, what position does Christopher Morrell play? And also, I think just the way that you know he spent two, three months last year after coming up and being so hot, he had like you know a mid two hundred or two fifty like on base percentage. He was striking out like more than a third of the time over the last couple of months of the season. He still had power in some moments, and he finished pretty strong the last week or two. But I think he showed that there were clear adjustments that he needed to make. He went down to the minors. He, he did start working on them. He, he's still swinging and missing a bunch. But obviously this entire season, from AAA to the majors, when he's connecting, that ball is going a long way. He has 20 homers already between AAA and the majors. So it's been pretty incredible. But, yeah, defensively, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he struggled a bit today in right field just either losing the ball in the sun or taking a, you know, kind of questionable route on a ball that was in the gap in the first inning, but he hasn't played much corner outfield. He hasn't played much corner outfield that Wrigley specifically. And then in center field, he wasn't rated great defensively last year there either. So I don't know what the answer is, um, especially because right now the Cubs have a ton of options at third base. They have, even with sending Nick Madrigal down yesterday, they still have wisdom, Master Boney and, um, and Edwin Rios here on the big league roster to play third. So, I don't know. Morello isn't like taking grounders or like really working at third right now. And part of the reason too is because I think the Cubs have seen him there and his arm is awesome, but it's also pretty erratic at times. And, and I don't know if there's a lot of trust there at the moment, just in terms of, of how he, uh, how he makes the throws from third base. David Ross has said going back to last year that he thinks Morello's best position is probably a middle infield, you know, shortstop or second base, but obviously with Swanson and Nico Horner, that's uh, that's taken up here in Chicago. So I don't know. I don't know what his best position is. Maybe third base is an avenue for him to to have more um, more stable playing time over the rest of the year. But Cody Bellinger is probably a couple weeks away from returning too. So I imagine we'll see a bunch of Morel in the outfield in the coming weeks, and maybe DH, and then we'll see how things play out from there. All I know is if he keeps hitting, he's absolutely going to be in the lineup. <laughs> It feels to me like we're we're still getting to know David Ross as a manager, even though he's been in the city for so long, been in the organization for so many years. But last season, it seemed to me that we saw an evolution of David Ross just in in trying to infuse some some juice, some energy, some aggression into the lineup with the decisions he began to make that worked pretty well. But there weren't a lot of expectations, of course. And now this season with expectations, not only on players in the lineup, but on David Ross as a manager, do you feel like David Ross himself has a great sense for, for how exactly he feels like the pieces available to him 
in this lineup work best, or is there still maybe a bit of an evolution that he's going through with this current group? Yeah, I do think it's an evolution. I think every season is an evolution to some sense, but absolutely, right now the Cubs are are at a bit of a crossroads, as we were talking about at the beginning. This is a pretty crucial part of their schedule and and just point in the calendar where they need to start stringing some wins together if they're going to be buyers, if they're going to be contenders in a weak division. Uh, And at the same time, they also have guys like Morell and Mervis who require playing time on an everyday basis because they've proven that they're too good for AAA and they need to be up here and they can help the team win up here. They've, They've already proven that as well. So when you have that, but then a guy like Trey Mancini, who's a veteran, won a World Series last year, you know, was face of the franchise in Baltimore for a number of years and a big signing for the Cubs this winter. You know, they gave him $14 million on a multi-year deal and yet he's barely been playing the last week or so, you know, he was in there today, but prior to that, he didn't play at all in the Met series and the Cubs had, you know, an off day there. So he went four straight days without playing. And, and I think that's the difficulty right now because you can't take Morell or Mervis out of the lineup at the moment. And there's nowhere else really then for, for Mancini to play. So, that's just one example, I think, of, of Ross kind of going with the flow and seeing how things play out. And then also, you know, Mike Talkman is another one, you know, local kid who has been playing well, has a lot of really good at-bats. And when right-handed pitchers are on the mound, you know, his lefty bat, uh, I think, plays up well. And, and with center field open without Bellinger, there's an avenue there for Talkman to be playing nearly every day as he has been. So, you know, I think he's, Ross is flowing with it, is trying to stick with the guys who are having good at-bats and performing well. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's it's hard just because the Cubs haven't been stringing together a bunch of good at-bats or a bunch of good at games in a row for really a few weeks now. You know, they, this offense was awesome in April, and they still do a really good job of getting on base, but they're not always cashing in on those opportunities. So I think it's easy to look at lineup construction and look at all the different ways it can be done differently. But really when it comes down to it, I mean, all these guys are deserving of playing time and, and being in the spot the Cubs just kind of have to either have better luck or just better execution in spots to, to really drive home all the guys that get on base into these high leverage moments and put more runs on the board. And that's what they've said. And that's what obviously they're going to be focusing on over the next few weeks here. Well, Tony from one carnivore, to another, I wish you all the best with your pork chops <laughs> this weekend. And please let your wife know that I co-sign your idea of buying you a new grill. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate you, man. That is Tony Andraki of the Marquee Sports Network. You can find him on Twitter at TonyAndraki23. We'll come back. We're going to get right into another interview here. The news that came out earlier, well, really, it initially was, I guess I'll use air quotes, broken. Last weekend, an article that came out on ESPN.com about New Bears president Kevin Warren, the media rights deal that he set up with the Big Ten Conference, and you know whether or not it was actually completed effectively Well, Nicole Auerbach is one of the best in the industry of covering, of breaking, of resourcing news and information on topics just like this. We'll take a time out, come back, and talk to Nicole about Kevin Warren, his future with the Bears, and where the Big Ten sits at the moment. All that and more to come in hour number two here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. 